Welcome to the Rocky Valley Podcast. This is Pastor Jason Moe. We're glad you stopped in to have a listen, and we hope that this blesses you in some way. As we begin this morning, uh, I do want to just update the church as we get started on uh, yesterday's Hearts for Hunger food giveaway. Uh, We had 49 people show up this month to help distribute food, and we gave out, uh, by the time the evening was over, 46 boxes of food. So, by the way, it's okay to clap. We're still Baptist. We're not going to get kicked out of any association or anything like that. Um, And that is a testament both to your a willingness to give of your time and of your money and of the food that you have donated, that is a testament to, to every person in this church, uh, to people in the community who are given, uh, even those who are not able to physically show up on the days of the giveaway, but those who support through the month. I want to thank you uh, for, for all of those things. And, and I want to share something as we get started. Um, yesterday, I noticed some things that were a little different from the previous months. Now, if you were in a helicopter and you were looking down on the food giveaway, you would not see anything different about it. It would look like about the same size group of people getting together to do about the same thing. But if you got right down in the middle of it, you noticed that there were a few things that were a little different yesterday. One of those things I I can share personally, that I had a gentleman that is aged 85, and the first time that I knocked on this gentleman's door, I was able to slide a piece of paper through a crack in the screen door. That's as far open as his door would come. I was able to just slide it in. He read it. We didn't even talk. The following week, he opened the door, but he didn't open the screen door. He pushed open the other door. And those of you that don't know on a camper, that means he slid the little square in the screen door open, pushed the big door out, and said, just put the box on the porch. I said, yes, sir, and I put the box on the porch. Last month, got the same response, except for through that hole in the screen door, he said, I'm sick, do you mind praying for me? And I did. But yesterday, when we pulled up with the box of food, he's unable to come to where we give it away. We had to go, we we carry the food directly to this gentleman. Yesterday, not only is the screen door open and the front door open, but he's out on the porch. He walks out to the vehicle that we were in, And he begins sharing with me his life story. He shares his testimony. He asks me to put my cell phone number in his telephone so that he can call me because he would like to come to church and he doesn't have a vehicle to drive. And and brother, would you come and get me? I haven't been to church in many years, but I was saved when I was a boy. And I still know Jesus. But I have a hard time getting out in crowds because of my experiences in the military. And so in just three months of being consistent and living life and going by and just loving people, this man, I gained a new friend yesterday. I gained a new friend. And as I pulled back up, I noticed another lady from our church who had gained a new friend. She had been recognized by this woman numerous times over the few months, and she was over for more than half an hour sharing the love of Christ with this woman who's in a time of need. And I thought, this 
This is exactly why we give food out. Not just so that we can feed people that are hungry a box of food, but so that we can feed people that are hungry for a Christ-like relationship. People that are looking for Jesus in some form. People that are, that are not necessarily ever going to drive down the street and walk in the doors of this church unless we go out of the doors of this church, park ourselves beside their camper and say, I love you this much. I love you enough that I'm going to feed you. And as we see Jesus, as we look at Jesus this morning, one of my favorite stories in all of the Bible that we're going to be looking at, we're going to see that Jesus, we're not going to see that he hold himself up in the temple and waited on people to come for him. We're going to see that Jesus was going to and fro and to and fro and to and fro. And in the process of merely going everywhere that he was going, he loved on people right where they were at and people's lives were changed as a result of the love of Christ having said all that this is all free preaching by the way don't start your clock yet (laughs) the next giveaway is four weeks away if we're going to continue to bless people and we're going to continue to love on them we're going to continue to need your help So we need food donations, we need the monetary donations, we need all of those things. I thank God for all of you each and every day for what you've done so far, but we can't stop now. We can't give up. So we've got another giveaway in four weeks. There's a list in the foyer, there's lists on Facebook. If you don't like Facebook and you want me to tweet it out, I'll tweet it out. Actually, I'll get somebody to tweet it out. I don't know what a tweeter is. Brian's our youth guy. He's the tweeter among us. I think. All hope is lost. (laughs) There'll be no tweetering in this church unless Charles Scott does it. So, At the end of the day, church, at the end of the day, though, there is but one explanation for how a 34-year-old preacher can develop a relationship with an 85-year-old veteran at a trailer park. And that's Jesus. Only Jesus. We have no other common ground. He don't even like Tennessee football. (laughs) Only Jesus. And that's what our message this morning, the title of our message this morning is Only Jesus. We'll be in the book of Luke, chapter 8. Verses 40 through 48. The Gospel of Luke chapter 8, verses 40 through 48. And please stand to your feet as we honor the reading of the holy, inerrant, and infallible words of our holy God. The Gospel of Luke chapter 8, beginning in verse 40. And so it was, when Jesus returned, that the multitude welcomed him, for they were all waiting for him. And behold... There came a man named Jairus, and he was ruler of the synagogue, and he fell down at Jesus' feet and begged him to come to his house. For he had an only daughter, about twelve years of age, and she was dying. But as he went, the multitudes thronged him. And now a woman, having a flow of blood for twelve years, who had spent all her livelihood on physicians and could not be healed by any, came from behind him and touched the border of his garment, and immediately her flow of blood stopped. And Jesus said, who touched me? 
And all denied it, and Peter and those with him said, Master, the multitudes throng and press you, and you say, Who touched me? But Jesus said, Somebody touched me, for I perceived power going out from me. And now when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him. She declared to him in the presence of all the people the reason she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. And he said to her, Daughter, be of good cheer. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Let's pray this morning. Father God, God, we stand before you, and I am acutely aware that what we need is not a sermon that I have prepared, Lord God, but a message that you have for all of us, Lord Jesus. God, we ask that any spirit that ain't your Holy Spirit be exited right out those set of doors out the front, Lord God, never to return to this place, Lord Jesus. Anything that would cause us to cling to this world and not to you this very time, Lord Jesus, please take it away at this moment, Lord Jesus. We declare in your name, Jesus, that you are capable of doing just that, and we ask you to do it, Lord Jesus. Dwell among us, Lord. Let your Holy Spirit reign free in this place. And all of God's people said, and you may be seated. Now this text is truly... An amazing piece of scripture. In fact, it's important enough that Matthew, Mark, and Luke all mention this particular story of healing in their gospel accounts of the life of Jesus. The focus this morning is going to be on the woman that is healed by Jesus. She is mentioned shortly in just a few verses in the middle of a story of Jesus bringing a young girl who has died back to life. And if you aren't careful, this woman becomes an afterthought in the story as you begin to focus on Jairus' daughter and the fact that Jesus brings her from a state of death into a state of life. That is a miracle, no doubt. But if you're not careful, you gloss over this woman who has been bleeding, this woman who we're going to talk about this morning. And so we don't want to do that. We want to spend some time with this woman this morning. She is anything but an oversight to Jesus. She is anything but an afterthought to Jesus. At this moment that she is present in Scripture, she is the most important person in all of the world to our Savior Jesus Christ. Each and every one of us at some point in our life have been the most important person in all of the world to Jesus Christ. He is a mighty God who is able to have many people be important to Him at one time. On the cross, we were all very important to Him as He died for our sins. And this woman is about to experience Jesus in a very real and mighty way. And we don't want to move on past her without spending some time in Scripture with her. But it's important to note that with all that going on, with the ruler Jairus, with his daughter laid dying, with the crowd that's all around, with the woman who is bleeding, with the disciples who are rushing, with the crowd that is thronging, with the boat that is sailing, with the sun that is shining, with the wind that is blowing, Jesus Christ is still the star of this entire book. And he is the star of this story as well. So don't, don't let, let us get so focused on this woman that we don't realize who the star of the show is. And it is always undoubtedly, unequivocally, Jesus Christ. And it's going to be the same in this story today. The first thing I want us to see about Jesus here in this story is the availability of Jesus, the availability of the Savior. I'm going to take that out so that I can watch the minutes go by as if they matter to me. First thing that we need to see about Jesus is his availability. Jesus, just prior to this story, had been teaching in this area where he finds himself. 
And he was drawing quite a crowd. People were coming uh, to hear Jesus teach, to hear Jesus preach. The crowds were growing and growing and growing and growing. And so Jesus had called his disciples into a boat. And we're going to go across the sea. And, and really, we find in that story, just prior to what's happening here, that this is where Jesus is asleep in the bottom of the boat. And so we feel like Jesus, one, had to teach his disciples a lesson, but two, needed to pull away from the crowd for a time of rest. And so he gets in the boat and they sail across. This is the story of, of the wind and the tempest that would come up, and, and Jesus would rebuke the winds when the disciples would call upon him, and he would question their faith, and they would sail over, and they would end up in a place known as the Gadarenes. And as he got into the Gadarenes, you'll remember this story. This is just prior. It's important that we build this context, okay? you got to remember when we read the Bible that the chapters and notes and verses that we have were inserted later, but it's all written as a gospel account, and Dr. Luke puts it in there for us. So let's look back at just what happens. And so what happens is Jesus, they arrive into the town of the Gadarenes, and this is where the Gadarene demoniac would come out and approach them as they got there. You'll remember that Jesus calls the demons out of this man who had been possessed for so long. There were so many demons that possessed this man that they called their name Legion for they were many. Jesus casts them into the swine. The swine head over the cliff displaying the power and majesty of Jesus Christ. But the people of the Gadarenes with Jesus at their fingertips having just healed the man possessed by the demon, preferred their pigs to their Savior. And they said, please leave this place. Please leave. We don't need you here. Jesus, obliging them, gets back in the boat. The man begs to go with him, but Jesus says what to him? He says, you need to be my missionary here because I'm not coming back to this place. I'm not coming back here again. You're going to be the only one here that can tell the story of what I've done in your life. I'm going to need you to stay here and tell people that. And he places him as a missionary. Now I want you to remember the attitude of the Gadarenes here. It's going to be important as we move through the story. The attitude that they preferred their pigs, they preferred their swine over the presence of the Savior. They did not want Jesus around. They wanted him to be gone. And as we look at the availability of the Savior, look at verse 40 with me. It says, So it was when Jesus returned, the multitude welcomed him. They were all waiting on him. So, so imagine this with me. Jesus has been teaching, and the crowd has grown large. And he goes away. And then he's coming back. And I can only imagine the people in this port city as they begin to look out on the Sea of Galilee and they said, hey, 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 Jesus is coming back. The one who was teaching before, I see his boat far off. I see his boat coming back. I recognize that boat. I know there were disciples on it. I see them. The one Peter, he's at the helm. They're coming back. That's the boat Jesus left on. Can you imagine how the crowd would have returned? How the people would have come back? They were excited. The one who had healed the multitudes. The ones who had taught so well. The one who had spoken in a way that they had never heard anyone speak before was coming back and they were excited and they welcomed him and the crowd was there. What a contrast to the Gadarenes who said please go are the people here that say please come and in that crowd standing way out on the edge of the port is a man named Jairus 
Now here we have Jesus who made himself available to the Gadarenes. He comes back a crowd and there among them is a ruler of the synagogue named Jairus. Now let's talk about Jairus for a minute because Jairus really wasn't supposed to be there doing what he was fixing to do. He was a distinguished gentleman. Jairus had risen to a position of power and of influence and of money through his life of being dedicated to temple worship. He was a proud man, a man that people would revere, a man that people would look up to as people would see him with his flowing robes and his stylish look and his big hat. They would say, look, there's Jairus, ruler of the synagogue. Yet there he is. Luke says the crowd was a multitude and they were thronging at him. And yet in all of the people thronging, we're going to look at just two people. And one of those, Jairus, the important man, with all his stature. And he's going to bow down to the feet of Jesus in just a moment. And yet, there's a contrast to Jairus given to us. Look at verse 43 at who else is there. Now a woman having a flow of blood for 12 years, who had spent all of her livelihood on physicians and could not be healed by any. Now, if Jairus didn't belong because of his important stature, you could say that this woman, she surely didn't belong because of her unclean stature. She had been excommunicated from the, excommunicated from the public. She'd been bleeding... Twelve years. Now I want you to think about that. Twelve years that she had had a flow of blood in her body. Now Levitical law would state that if someone had a flow of blood, they had to remain outside of the communion for seven, until, until the blood had been gone for seven days. She had had it for twelve years. So imagine how pushed aside and how laid back and how beaten back that she had become. She, she wasn't, not only was she not supposed to go out, she wasn't supposed to touch anybody. Nobody was supposed to come in contact with her lest they would become unclean as well. Nobody was even supposed to wash her sheets for her because if they touched them, they would be unclean for having touched the woman with a condition of blood. Twelve years ago, she started bleeding. She went to the doctors. They couldn't find a cure, and the situation got worse and worse and worse and worse, and she spent all of her money. Everything she had, she poured in to getting cured, and she could not find a cure. And now, not only was she flat broke and still bleeding, she couldn't go out and earn more money because she couldn't be seen in public. Her situation was not such that she should be mentioned in a public place where there is a throng of people. She wasn't supposed to be there. Jairus, because he was so proud. This woman, because she was so shamed. Neither one were supposed to be there. Here we have the ruler who had everything and the woman who had nothing. We have the ruler that could go anywhere he wanted and the woman who was considered unclean and not to go anywhere or touch anything. We have a ruler who had a 12-year-old daughter who was dying and a woman who had been dying for 12 years, essentially. 
Now think about the contrast that we have going on. A ruler who had all of the physicians at his disposal. So his 12-year-old daughter lay dying. Jairus had money and access to any physician that he wanted to have access to. And no doubt he had used them by this time. We have a woman who has used all the physicians that were at J. Iris' disposal and had no cure as she were dying. And yet we have Jesus coming onto the scene and he is available to both ends of that spectrum. He's available to the ruler. He's available to the most shamed of individuals. But what's got to happen before we can tap into the availability of the Savior? That ruler had to leave all his pride at the front door and find his way to the feet of Jesus. Where does he go when Jesus comes up? It says he fell down at Jesus' feet and begged him come to his house. This was a ruler of the synagogue, a man of much pride, a man who would command people to do anything that he wanted to command them to do. And yet, when Jesus comes on the scene, he finds himself bowing at his feet. And a woman that we're going to see is merely crawling through the crowd that she might touch something near Jesus' feet. People on both ends of the social spectrum, and they have to find themselves at the feet of the Savior of the world to tap into his power. Notice something else with me, though. It says there are so many people there that they thronged him. The idea there is literally they, they pressed upon him, literally bumping. Imagine with me, if you've ever been to a, a concert or a sporting event, uh, the crowd that's leaving. Uh, I, I was very blessed this past year that a gentleman called me up, and he said, uh, Tennessee is playing on a Thursday night. I know you have a hard time going to Saturday games. Would you like to go to the Thursday night game with me? Now, I love Tennessee football. And even though I didn't like this guy very much, I'd sit next to Satan to go to a Tennessee ball game. And I said, absolutely, I'd love to go to this Thursday night. I'm just kidding. I love the guy. He's not here, so I can pick on him this morning. Um, said, I would love to go to the Tennessee ball game with you. Absolutely, absolutely, I want to go. And then I called Liette and I said, hey, do you care if I go? Uh, I may or may not have already said I was going. And, uh, and she graciously said, I'll be mad at you, but go anyway. And so she was, and now she's not. So you can see Jesus intervened. But we leave the Tennessee ball game, and I can only imagine that that's what the crowd was like. I'll have you know that there were people everywhere at this Tennessee ball game. I mean, you had to walk like this and like this and like this, and fighting your way through. And when I read this story, that's what I think throng. They were pushed aside. You couldn't walk normal, all right? You couldn't just stroll down the streets here. There were so many people thronging in on Jesus that you had to move in baby steps. <coughs> and yet, in all of that crowd of people, pushing and pressing and touching and thronging and being there, the only two that are mentioned are Jairus and a lady that is so eloquently described as simply the woman who was bleeding. Three different gospel accounts, we never get her name. She's merely woman who is bleeding. And yet there's a throng of people. Regardless of where they were socially or economically, they're sitting there with the availability of the Savior, and they're not mentioned. And I fear that maybe they're in the same position that we find ourselves in sometimes. We come into our churches. We go through where we go. We're Christians. We love Jesus. If somebody said that Jesus were coming to town, no doubt in my mind we would throng in such a, a, a great way to go and just get a glimpse of Jesus. 
But do we find our way to His feet? That we would humble ourselves and realize that we are hopeless and find our way to His feet. That we would tap into the availability of the Savior. Would we merely be present while Jesus is doing something amazing in this woman's life? If you'll excuse me, I think I turned too many pages. So notice with me the availability of the Savior, but notice with me also the exclusivity of Jesus. This is where it gets really exciting to me. Both J. Iris and the woman had tried everything at this point. Everything. And they had just enough faith in Jesus to consider him the last thread of hope. It, it's almost the faith that says... I have to try this one more thing. I hear that Jesus has healed people. I hear that Jesus has cast out demons. I hear that Jesus has done great things. I'm going to try and get down there to where Jesus is at. Jairus had come and he said, I'm going to wait on Jesus to come back. The woman had heard that Jesus was coming. She said, I'm going to muster up my strength and I'm going to find my way to where Jesus is at. Verse 44 says what to us? It says, She came from behind him and touched the border of his garment, and immediately her flow of blood stopped. She had tried everything else. She'd spent all her money. She had no other hope. And she finds herself slinking through this crowd to get to the hem of the garment of Jesus. Now, according to Numbers 15, verses 37 through 41, if you want to note that, Numbers 15, 37 through 41, as well as Deuteronomy 22, 12. The Jesus, because he was a Jew, the, those scriptures tell us basically, I'll paraphrase for you, that there was a certain garment that Jesus would wear as he would go into town because he was a Jew. And it would be in recognition of the fact that he was a Jew. You see the picture that Miss Loretta has on the screen. And down there, those, those tassels that you see at the bottom of the garment, they would have blue laced into the core. It was a blue ribbon that was laced in there. And this would signify that Jesus was a man of Jewish descent. And so this is, this is very similar to the robe that he would have worn to what he strolled into town. Now I want you to look at that. You see those loose tassels at the bottom of that robe? That's what she was trying to touch. She was just trying to reach out and touch those tassels. And she's crawling, and she's fighting, and she's looking, and she's pushing, and the crowd is thronging. I bet she's crawling through people's legs, and everybody's looking around. And Scripture says that as she got there, she flicked the garment and moved on. That's not what it says, is it? It says she touched the border of his garment in the New King James. If you looked at the, the direct translation, the word there for touch the hem of his garment, get this, it says that she clasped 
and clung to the hem of his garment. Clasps, clings, clutches, grabs. She reached through, and I can only imagine reaching. In my mind, and again, I study the Bible with ADD, and those of you that don't know what that means, means that I get lost in the, in the translation sometimes and use my imagination as I'm looking at Scripture. And I believe that Peter and James and John, they were thronging, and Jesus was right here, and they were like the secret service man with the president, right? And they're up there, and they're protecting because they're going to J. Iris's house, and they don't got time for nobody to mess with Jesus. And I imagine this woman slipping through Peter's legs and just grabbing the tassels on Jesus' garment. And she says, this is my life last thread of hope. I got to touch him. I got to touch him. I got to touch him and she ain't letting go until she's healed. But what happens to her? She touches him and she is healed hours later by the medicine. No, 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 no. She grabs those tassels and she is healed immediately by Jesus. And it wasn't no tassel that healed that woman. It was the man inside the robe and the spirit that flowed out of him went out of his body, through the robe, out the tassels in the woman and the blood stopped right then. Because she realized the availability of the Savior when she got hopeless enough to realize that all I need to do is touch Him. She reached out and touched Him. Can I tell you something this morning, church? Until you get to the point that you ain't got nothing else to grab a hold of, you won't touch the hem of His garment. You won't touch the hem of His garment because you won't get down to His feet to where the hem of the garment is. And until you get down there and reach through and realize that's your last thread of hope hanging on the Savior right there, you won't get down to the point where you'll humble yourself to reach out to Him. That goes for lost persons. That goes for people that have experienced the rebirth. We get so proud after we get saved. That we forget that we have to bow back down to the Savior every now and again. Amen. We forget that sometimes all we got is that last thread of hope hanging on the tassels of a Savior strolling through town. You know, I am, I am keenly aware of the fact that there are many people here this morning that may feel like this woman. And if you don't feel like her right now, you will again soon. I promise you that. You feel like everything's stacked against you and you don't know what you're going to cling to anymore. You don't know where you're going to grab right now. You don't know where that hope comes from. You don't know where that healing comes from. You don't know where that peace comes from. And I'm here to tell you this morning that the same Jesus who put that robe on and strolled through town for a woman with a blood condition, he's still strolling through right now. And he's still available for you to grab those same tassels and cling on to that last thread of hope this morning. You can still touch the hem of his garment. Now, the exclusivity and the availability of Jesus. But quickly, let us look as we close at the sensitivity of the Savior. Look at the sensitivity of the Savior. Verses 45 through 48. Now, she's better, isn't she? As we get going. Verse 44 tells me that she's already healed. The blood stopped flowing, didn't it? It's over with, right? Jesus, he's in a hurry. He's got to get to J. Iris' house. His daughter lay dying, right? He needs to get there. So surely he's healed this woman. Her blood condition's better. We can, just, we can just go on. Let her slink back into the crowd. Let's never talk about her again. We already healed her. She knows it was Jesus. Maybe she'll find her way to salvation one day. But either way, she's physically fixed. Let's move on to J. Iris' house. We have something needs to be done for the ruler. But he's sensitive, though, to what she really needs. 
You see, what Jesus is showing us in verses 45 through 48 is what she really needed was not to stop bleeding. She didn't need to be healed of her bleeding condition. She needed to be healed of her lack of faith. She needed to come to know Jesus and be made whole as Jesus was her Savior. See, we look at it and we look at the healing of the blood condition and we say, bless God for the healing of the blood and bless God for the healing of the blood condition. Don't get me wrong. I don't want you to miss out. That is miraculous in itself. But the best thing that happened to this woman today didn't happen in verse 44. It happened in verse 48. In verse 48, he said, What to her daughter be of good cheer? Your faith has made you whole, made you well. Now go in peace. That's where she gets saved. That's where she comes to know the saving power of Jesus and not just the healing power of Jesus. That's where her life is regenerated. That's where she gets adopted by Jesus Christ. And that's the most important thing that happened to that woman that day. Twelve years of bleeding. She could have went twenty years of bleeding if she knew that heaven was her home. Jesus could have not healed her physically, but healed her spiritually, and her life would have been far more the better than if he had just healed her physically and never reached out with his grace and saved her spiritually. Now, Peter said, Jesus said what? He said, who touched me? Who touched me? He's walking. She slinks up. She grabs his tassels. She stops bleeding. Jesus says, well, who touched me? I like Peter. Peter reminds me of me. He got just enough zeal to stand up and say, I'll do anything for you, God, and just enough dumbness to miss out on so many good things, just like me. You know how many of the great things that God intended for me I missed out on because I was busy trying to be holy for God? Peter says, who touched you? That's the question you're asking, Jesus? There are 38,944 people in a street that holds 12, and you're going to ask me who touched you? We are in a hurry, Jesus. We got to get to Jairus' house, and you want to know who touched me. Again, I have ADDIs when I look at the Bible. Jesus says, you're missing the point, Peter. Why you're going to deny me later is because you keep missing the point. Somebody touched me. I realize there's people leaning in on me, but I mean somebody who needed me, found their way to me, and touched me, and power went from me, and I need to know who that was. I need to see that person face to face. I need for her to step up. Now, Jesus knew who had touched him. But he needed to see her. And she shows herself trembling. She comes now, now, why is she trembling? She just got healed, right? But wait a minute. Remember, she wasn't even supposed to be there, was she? She's unclean. She can't make her way to Jesus. She can't make her way to the great physician. She can't make her way to him. She's not clean. She ain't even supposed to be in a crowd. So when Jesus says... Who touched me? Can you imagine the fear that she must have had as she thought, oh no. I wasn't supposed to do this. And now he's called me out on it. What are they going to do to me? I've broken the laws. 
I've broken the commandments. I've broken the the legalistic traditions of the Judaizers. What am I going to do? I might as well admit it. It says that she tells the story. She says, I I, I slinked through the crowd. I've been bleeding for 12 minutes. Now, verse 47 just says, she declared to him in the presence of all the people. I want to make sure I said it right. She declared to him. Now, I don't know about you guys. But if I'd been sick for 12 years and I was better in an instant, when I started recounting my story, I don't think I would go, well, I was home this morning and I left and I saw you, Jesus, and I reached under that guy's legs who's asking who touched you and I touched your garment and now I'm not bleeding anymore. Thank you. When it says she declared, I believe that she said... The most amazing thing just happened to me. Guys, you'll never believe it. He, he, let me just tell you, Jesus, what you just did. I don't know if you know what you did, but you were walking down the street, and I saw you, and I could barely see you through the people, so I got down, and I was crawling, and I was belly crawling. I got through, I reached up, and I touched you, and suddenly I looked down, and I wasn't bleeding no more, Jesus. You fixed me, Jesus. You healed me. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for what you did for me. I believe she declared it from the mountaintops that she was made better. Now why did it, why was it so important that Jesus would have her declare that? Why did he even stop and talk to her? He could have healed her while she was way off in the distance, couldn't he? He didn't have to wait on her to touch him. He could have just spoke and she could have been healed. But she comes through. She touches him and Jesus says, Who touched me? Now why did he do this? Why did Jesus perform any of the signs and miracles that he performed? Why did he perform any of them so that people would recognize that he was the Messiah through his whole earthly ministry when he turned the water into wine when he, when he raised Lazarus from the dead he's fixing to bring J. Iris' daughter back up he doesn't do all of those things just for the benefit of the person he's doing them to he does it for the benefit of all of us that we might look and see that he is the Savior and he is above all And so he says, woman, I need you to step out and tell this because if you don't stand up and acknowledge it, if I healed you while you were way over there, there'd be an awful lot of people that don't got no idea that I'm the Messiah. They would think that you had just been miraculously post-date cured by some medicine that you took 10 years ago. They would think that you had just suddenly been healed. But what I need you to do is proclaim to all these people that what happened was you touched the tassels on my garment and you were healed because they were my tassels. Because it was my garment and because it was my virtue that flowed out. But even more importantly, what did I say? She she wasn't saved, really. She hadn't come to know Jesus as her Savior. So in addition to the proclamation publicly, I think there's also a private atonement that's going on for this woman right here. She says, Jesus, you healed me. You're a savior. You're mighty God. This phrase that he uses in verse 48, your faith has made you whole. That Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. It's the same phrase that Jesus uses. You remember the story of the ten lepers. And Jesus healed the ten lepers. And he said, go to the priest. How many lepers returned to give Jesus thanksgiving? One. He uses this same phrase that he uses with this woman. When he talks to him, he says, you go in peace. Your faith has made you whole. That one leper came to the saving knowledge of Jesus. The other nine just got fixed of leprosy. 
That guy got saved. And Jesus says to this woman, you are now signed, sealed, delivered eternally. Your life is secure. Your faith is secure. If you start bleeding again tomorrow, don't you worry. I got you wrapped up in the palm of my hands. I got you in my bosom, and you're going to heaven with me for eternity. Now, I told you to remember the Gadarenes, the people that preferred their pigs to their Savior. And here's a woman. She basically was clean enough to live like a pig, if you want to get right down to it. From the Jewish culture, she deserved to be hanging out with the swine. That's the only people she was clean enough to live with. And yet, Jesus was available for her, just like he was Jairus. And this morning as we close, I ask you to keep one thing in mind. Jesus is the only answer to whatever your situation is. What can give you the comfort that you desire? Only Jesus. What can give you the peace that you desire? Only Jesus. What can heal your broken relationships? Only Jesus. Some of you here this morning need to find your way to the feet of Jesus and touch the hem of his garment one more time. You've been living life. Maybe you got saved a long time ago, but you've drifted from the point that something's going on in your life and you're trying to fix it. You're trying to self it. You're trying to tell it what it's going to do. And what you need to do is find your way to the feet of Jesus and touch the hem of his garment. He can heal the physical, he can heal the social, but he can heal your soul for eternity. There's somebody here that doesn't know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And he's available to you just like he was for that woman. Just reach out and touch him at the hem of his garment. Let's pray. Father God, Lord, we stand before you. God, we realize that you are the same God who healed the demoniac in Gadarenes, Lord. God, we realize you're the same God who strolled through town with the tassels on his garment in the form of a man called Jesus. And as Jesus strolled through town with all the power and all the virtue of God, it says that the power flowed from him and the woman immediately stopped bleeding. But Jesus... You took it a step further and you saved her soul, Lord, for eternity. And so, Jesus, in this house this morning, Lord, God, we realize that there are souls that are hurting, Lord God. Longing for an answer, Lord. Longing for a peace, Lord. God, would you give them the courage to step out and touch the hem of the garment this morning. To grab that last thread of hope, Lord Jesus. And get the peace that only you can provide that passes all understanding. And God, if there's one in here this morning who's never cried out to you and said, God, save me. Would you convict their soul and prick their hearts that they wouldn't be able to make it through the rest of this service without crying out for salvation, coming to pray and asking you to save their soul, Lord Jesus. It's in your precious saving name that we pray. Amen. Thanks again for joining in. We sincerely hope that this has blessed you in some way. If you have any further questions, feel free to give us a call or check us out on the web at www.rockyvalleybaptist.org. 
Thank you and have a blessed day. Thanks again for joining in. We sincerely hope that this has blessed you in some way. If you have any further questions, feel free to give us a call or check us out on the web at www.rockyvalleybaptist.org. Thank you and have a blessed day. Thanks again for joining in. We sincerely hope that this has blessed you in some way. If you have any further questions, feel free to give us a call or check us out on the web at www.rockyvalleybaptist.org. Thank you and have a blessed day. Thanks again for joining in. We sincerely hope that this has blessed you in some way. If you have any further questions, feel free to give us a call or check us out on the web at www.rockyvalleybaptist.org. Thank you and have a blessed day. Thanks again for joining in. We sincerely hope that this has blessed you in some way. If you have any further questions, feel free to give us a call or check us out on the web at www.rockyvalleybaptist.org. Thank you and have a blessed day. Thanks again for joining in. We sincerely hope that this has blessed you in some way. If you have any further questions, feel free to give us a call or check us out on the web at www.rockyvalleybaptist.org. Thank you and have a blessed day. Thanks again for joining in. We sincerely hope that this has blessed you in some way. If you have any further questions, feel free to give us a call or check us out on the web at www.rockyvalleybaptist.org.